Everybody. Welcome back to Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenEnroll.com and the official podcast of the Nations League winning United States men's national team. Do not look that up. Uh, just take our word for it. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude. We were supposed to record this podcast much earlier, but due to the aforementioned Nations League final between the United States men's national team and the Mexican men's national team. Um, we are here. It is late. That it game lasted uh, three hours. And, you know, for as happy as we are as, for the result, we have to put our sad faces on to record our first show about the Lakers in two weeks because we, we missed last week because it was Memorial Day weekend. Um, first, I'll, I'll let you say anything you want about the nation's league final. If you have any thoughts and then we'll jump right into it. Yeah. I mean, that was a fun game. Uh, that was even like, I know obviously we're a basketball podcast. A lot of you listening probably don't care about soccer. Just go find the highlights of this game <laughs> because um, it was complete and utter nonsense. And I mean, Spoiler, as we let off, USA wins, so that alone uh, is reason to watch, especially a win over Mexico, who, again, for those that don't know, are their, are their obvious big rivals. So, good Lord, three hour long. It's a 90-minute game, even in extra time. It's a 120-minute game, and it didn't even go to penalties. And that, th- that lasted almost three hours. There yeah. were fans throwing things on the field hitting American players, hitting Mexican players. There were pitch invaders. Somebody ran onto the halftime set. Uh, There were five goals. There were yellow cards. There were injuries. Like, that was one of the more bonkers soccer games I've seen in some times. And, I mean, for if I was trying to show somebody a game to get them, like, into soccer, I would show them that game, even with it being three hours long. (laughs) Yeah, well – if I had to show somebody a game for them to understand the U.S. versus Mexico rivalry, yes, I think I'd show them that game. I could probably think of a few better games just like on a national scale to get somebody to like soccer because, man, I tweeted that like CONCACAF competitions are like 99% ref player interactions and 1% soccer. And that certainly uh, lived up to its reputation. The last thing I'll say on this uh, is throughout the game, I was thinking of Greg Berhalter, the the head coach of the U.S. men's national team, his NBA head coach comp. I think it might be Luke Walton. Oh, I I wouldn't be that harsh on him. (laughs) (laughs) Because I thought Burhalter was really good today, and I think in general he's done decent. He definitely, had, I mean, well, one, he's won a title. I guess Luke kind of won a title at Golden State, but um, man, thinking of an NBA comp for Burhalter, he's like a younger, there's still a lot of question marks, but he's had success. 
he had success in the MLS. I'm not sure. That's interesting. Uh, I definitely don't think it's Luke Walton, though, because I think Burhalter today's today's win is better than anything <laughs> Luke Walton did. He didn't. He wasn't out beating rivals for a title. Uh, I will think about that, and I will get back to you. But uh, I am not going to be nearly as harsh and call him the Luke Walton of soccer coaching. Uh, but yes, putting our sad faces on our Lakers faces on, which it's been a while since I've been disappointed talking about the Lakers and you know what? I'm going to say it. I don't even know if I'm disappointed talking about the Lakers right now. And I'm not just saying that because I'm still in a good mood, uh, from the earlier games. Uh, this (sighs) Harrison wrote a really good story on this on silver screen and roll.com where you can read, uh, the stories that we write. We're not just a podcast network. We also write good stuff sometimes. Um, and Harrison's story on the Lakers season being doomed from the very beginning was an example of, of one of the good stories we write on occasion. And I think it hit all the notes. And, you know, I'm not sure LeBron James reads, reads Silver Screen and Roll, uh, but I think he'd agree with a lot of the points Harrison made in that story because the general vibe... I got from his exit interview and his post-game interview that night, which I sat in on. Um, it, it just wasn't their year. It's not that they weren't talented enough or they just got thoroughly outplayed by the other team. They did, uh, but I think there's a lot of context in that. Anthony Davis not being healthy, uh, him playing at all was a huge mistake, and I'm, I'm grateful Seem, he he seems to have avoided a serious injury by playing through it. Um, but I think if you're a Lakers fan, the general takeaway from the season has to be, if it weren't for the injuries, who knows where we'd be. Uh, whether it would be in the next round or, you know, the favorites to win the NBA Finals after after beating the Suns. We don't know. But... Because of the injuries and like Dennis Schroeder not being 100% because he was in COVID protocols for not having COVID, but also (laughs) he couldn't have COVID again because he never had like whatever it is. Marcus all going to the COVID COVID protocols uh, and, you know, him confirming he tested positive for COVID. uh, The Lakers bringing in Andre Drummond and trying hard to make that work. All of that. I don't know how you can look at this team and say they didn't try or it, it was just a matter of another team being better. It it was, for all intents and purposes, this season to make excuses. <laughs> so what I said, the most frustrating aspect of this season is that it doesn't feel like we lost. Like, it'd be one thing, as you said, if we – we lost because we got out coached. We came up against a better team. We lost fair and square. That wasn't this season. Like injuries meant that we were never really going to get a good shot at this. And the the quick turnaround, I, I, I can't remember the exact number of days. I saw a couple people tweeting it after the loss to end the season. I think it was 71 days between the end of the bubble and the start of this season, which – I mean, absurd. Um, it was, it was always. I mean, this sounds obvious. 
it was always going to be tough to try to win two titles in a calendar year, um, which is effectively what the Lakers were trying to do, win a title in October and then come back less than 12 months later and win a title in, I think the finals will ultimately be in July. Um, that's absurd to win two titles in eight or nine months. So the the deck was always stacked against them. Um, but I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to relitigate all this because I mean, Anthony and I did a whole podcast about this, the NBA's decision to have the schedule, have the season start when it did have the schedule the way it is. Just look at the teams that were in, that were the last four in the bubble. The Heat got dumped out in the first round. The Celtics got dumped out in the first round. The Lakers got dumped out in the first round. And, I mean, the Nuggets, all credit to them because, I mean, they lost – they are starting a backcourt of uh, Campazzo and Austin Rivers, um, and they knocked, they knocked out Damian Lillard. So, right. all credit to them. But, I mean, the, the fact that they don't have a starting backcourt, again, shows you the toll this has taken on teams. So – that's what made this so frustrating. We were, we were discussing that. We were kind of going through it in our Slack in the uh, during Game Six, um, talking about the season, the game, the series, and that that's what I said, and that's what and that's a lot of what of uh, Harrison's piece touched on, is that it just felt like this season was out of our control in a lot of ways. Like you can't control when you get when players get hurt. I mean, there's a global pandemic. You can't control um, if you get COVID or not, um, or if you get it a second time or whatever happened to Dennis Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the physical embodiment of I'm built different. Um, I don't, but, yeah, I mean, just everything just kept stacking up. And, I mean, me personally, last week we didn't podcast, so I never really had a chance to talk about it, but – when Anthony Davis went down in game four, um, I had kind of chalked it up because at that point, a groin strain is bad. Like, I mean, that's what sidelined LeBron for how many weeks his first year in L.A., six, eight weeks, somewhere around there. Um, and so I know I know they're not all the same, but, I mean, those things are rough and – at that point, it was we weren't going to have a healthy Anthony Davis anymore in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and LeBron very clearly was not at a hundred percent. So, I had kind of chalked it up at that point. It didn't make the losses any less frustrating. Game four was really frustrating because they make that big comeback in the fourth quarter and have a couple plays in that fourth quarter go against them. Game five didn't happen, and then game six, just the way they started it. I was I was disappointed because I didn't want to go out like that. I'm I'm happy that we went out with a fight. Uh, the lesson from that game is don't spot a team thirty points in the <laughs> in the playoffs. Um, but I'm happy they went out with a fight. But yeah, it, it it was just ultimately I was frustrated at season's end because it just didn't it doesn't feel like we got a real chance to defend the title. Yeah, and. You know, every argument that you can make about the short turnaround that the Lakers have, I guess the counterpoint is the Denver Nuggets are still in it. Um, that I think the key difference between the Lakers, the situation in 
the Nuggets are in and the Lakers were in is uh, one, the Lakers played another series after uh, they eliminated the Nuggets and they won the championship. Uh, but the the main thing to me is I don't know that the Nuggets are as or were con- constructed around Jokic as much as the Lakers were constructed around LeBron and AD. And I certainly don't think that that Nuggets Trailblazers series was as dependent on somebody like Jamal Murray or Will Barton as the Sun series was on Anthony Davis. Um, again, if you're if you're a fan of an opposing team that just wants to laugh at the Lakers, which to no surprise over the last week there have been a lot of those, uh, and you look at that and say, well. You know, who cares? It doesn't matter. Uh, the L- Lakers lost. Everybody had to play with the cards that they were dealt. The Lakers didn't. And that's true. Like, the Lakers probably could have stolen a few games and still won the series with if Dennis Schroeder hadn't gone 0 of 9 from the field or if Kyle Kuzma had stepped up in Anthony Davis's place like he did in the regular season at the beginning of this season and even at, at points of last season. You get his starters splits in the regular season without Anthony Davis, and they're really good. Just it, it was towards the end, just an absolute slog fest. And uh, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm happy it was over because when the Lakers made that little run at the end and gave me a sliver of hope that they were going to force a game seven, I was like, okay, well, this is fun. Um, pushes through to the next series. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Anthony Davis and his groin strain. If he was going to miss a series against Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets, that probably doesn't bode well for the Lakers the same way it didn't bode well for them with DeAndre Eaton. Um, but But I was interested. A part of me also during that process, though, was like, if the Lakers did make it healthy to the next round, did this team have what it takes to make it to the end in the NBA Finals and win it like Frank Vogel, Rob Palenka, and, and everybody on the team uh, expressed that they thought it did in, in their exit interviews? Yeah, I, our hope coming into the playoffs was that, was that this team would eventually get it churning and then get mm-hmm. to something to that level we saw in the bubble. And... It really felt like they were, I mean, game three in that fourth quarter when everybody's clowning on Jay Crowder, it felt like they had really started to turn a corner. Um, And even early in game four, they jump out to that big lead. And I'm thinking, this is it. This is what we expected. Um, But as you said, I, I don't know that any team is more dependent on its two star players than the Lakers are. Um, especially when it, I mean, really it's at both ends offensively with LeBron defensively with AD. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw as soon as AD went out, I mean, the, the Suns immediately were going straight to the rim. Nobody's there anymore. And the Lakers couldn't adjust. I mean, I also, I will say credit to the Suns. That was a really good Suns team. Mm-hmm. I, as Many Lakers fans probably do. I had some issues with some of the uh, 
stuff, especially in the game three and not a big fan of Jay Crowder, but Devin Booker, man, right. Games five and six just came out and just, he, he finished off that series. That was, and I, I hate bringing up his name in general and we've talked about this, but it it was kind of Kobe-esque. It reminded me of when Kobe was playing the Suns in Phoenix in uh, 2010 and he smelled blood in the water and just went for the kill and um, ended it with that famous butt pat on, uh, I think it was Monty Williams, um, or not Monty Williams, on Alvin Gentry um, to to finish off that Suns team. And that's kind of what it felt like because Devin Booker was unreal those two games. But so, I mean, credit to those guys. I I think that they're going to – I will t- I would take them over Denver and I very well might take them over whoever comes out of the other side of the bracket. But, I mean, back to the Lakers, yeah, they just – they never got it going. And, I mean, you can hardly blame them. Um, I ultimately I, – I mean, the, what they wanted their starting five to be of Schroeder, KCP, LeBron, Davis, and uh, Drummond at the end of the season – I don't know how much that lineup played at all mm-hmm. um, just because, I mean, I know Drummond kind of talked about it, but you're trying to fit Drummond and Davis together with basically no time to um, really learn how to play together. Like you're learning this not just on the fly, but you're um, learning it on a, on the fly against one of the best teams in the league. Um, that five-man lineup only played 46 minutes together in the regular season um, and then 42 minutes together in the postseason. So 88 minutes total this year is what your starting five played together. And you compare that – I mean, I, I think there's a couple things we probably didn't give the Suns enough credit for. At least I personally didn't coming into mm-hmm. this. Um, from – their starting lineup played together – without hardly any issue all season, 706 minutes that starting lineup played together compared to the one the Lakers wanted of 88 minutes. Um, with the playoffs, it's over 800 minutes. So 10 times the, the minutes that starting lineup played together. I don't know that we I, – I, I say we again. I don't know that I factored that in enough um, because you're really on two spectrums there. And then – they had so many wings and so many shooters that um, you just had to continually account for. And mm-hmm. uh, when you have guys like Booker and Paul who are able to run the pick and roll like they are, just puts a ton of pressure on your defense and you need to be a well-oiled machine. I think last year's Lakers in the bubble probably would have been able to handle that. This year's Lakers um, – never really were able to handle that. So um, it, it was frustrating, but I mean, not a lot you can do kind of the whole point of this. There wasn't really a lot the Lakers can do. They, they did what they could. They tried, but ultimately they're going to have a, a long off season that they sorely need right now. And the Lakers offseason technically started with their exit interviews on, God, what was it, Friday? It was Friday, yeah. It's been a minute. Uh, so <laughs> when we get back from the break, we'll, we'll go over some of their exit interview comments. 
So after the game, I was sitting on sit, sitting in on the post game interviews, and this isn't technically an exit interview, so I'm cheating a little bit. But he did talk about it also in his exit interview. Dennis Schroeder, the first question he gets, the very first question about his disappointment in ending this series in a first round knockout comes out guns a blazing about him saying that we're going to be back. The The key word in there is we. Then he says, quote, I'm going to work my ass off to come back here to give everything because we owe the fans one. I want to win a championship and I'm going to work at my ass off this summer. Come back and be me. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there was a lot of hoopla before the game about Schroeder taking the L.A. Lakers point guard, basically his occupation, uh, out of his Instagram bio. And, you know, even after the game was over, before the game, he had put it back in. After the game, he took it out again. And I think the way his first playoff run with the Lakers ended uh, and in combination with all that, everybody was kind of under the assumption that the shooter had probably played his last game for the Lakers. Then in doing that post game interview and doing his exit interview where he really said all of the right things about wanting to come back next year and why he struggled this year. He compared it to his situation with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. I thought that was the most honest he's been all season. Um, I I don't know about you, but I've, I've done kind of a 180 on Schroeder coming back to the Lakers for the right number, and I think that's the important part. Um, Schroeder's interesting. Uh, it, it, I mean, you look at his playoff numbers – Games four and games five were atrocious from him. Mm-hmm. He had uh, eight points in game four, three of 13, then goes 0 and 9 in game five. Pair that with the, well, it's not on the game log. I can't look it up right now, but he wasn't good in the uh, playing game against Golden State. Um, and it just kind of felt, I don't know, I didn't have a great taste in my mouth from from those games. At the same time, he had three 20-point games, these playoffs. Um, and honestly, in the in game six, I enjoyed watching him. It, so I, I honestly don't really know how I feel about Schroeder and him coming back. If you'd asked me after game five, I was – I was done. I was calling him the German Raymond Sessions on Twitter. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and I was looking up stats. I was ready. If he if he laid one more clunker of a game, I was 100% ready to just start a narrative that he was Raymond Sessions. Um, he did not lay a clunker. He, uh, as I said, he played pretty well. The, the problem is the version of him that played – in game six where he's picking up three quarters court diving Mm -hmm. for loose balls um and getting in people's faces i mean he didn't he was only two of six from three um but he 
he was aggressive and you just we just didn't really see that version of him in the playoffs and really post his second covid break um I mean, honestly, he looked a lot like a guy that had COVID, but he he swears he, he doesn't. So, <laughs> so I I mean, whatever you make of that, but um, yeah, I I mean, obviously for the right number, I'd say yes. I don't know. He cost himself a lot of money these playoffs. I think overall, between the playing game and this, he certainly is not getting the eighty million dollar offer or whatever. The Lake, I can't remember the exact amount the Lakers had on the table for him um, earlier this season, reportedly. He he ain't getting that offer. Um, I don't think anybody's paying him $20 million a year right now. Um, but again, man, I, the other thing is like Caruso did look pretty good these playoffs until his body literally broke down. THT looked good in game six. He looked good all season. At some point, you're going to want a bigger role for him. Um, ultimately, I don't I don't really know where I stand on Schroeder. I would certainly be exploring sign-in trade options, which are hard because Schroeder has to want to go to a team. Um, but that's really kind of the only big trade chip I think the Lakers have. They have mm-hmm. Kuzma. I know fans are really down on him. I, I would be careful trading him. Um, but Schroeder, you have the replacements there. I don't know. He did say a lot of the right things after game six. He played a good game six. He said a lot of right things. Really changed how I felt on him because I was really low on him. <laughs> so I'm open to it at the right price, but I think even then my right price is going to be a lot lower than the price he wants to come back for. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we have plenty of time to talk about free agency uh, and we'll talk more about Schroeder specifically in the, the player reviews. Once we get around to that, Um, the, the, the other side of the spectrum I wanted to talk about is with Montrose Harrell Harrell and Andre Drummond. I think the two players that were the most non-committal when it came to one re-signing and two running it back. Um, Not surprising. I think even with the lack of playing time that Montrose Harrell got in the postseason, I think somebody will probably pay him more than the nine million he was making this year and the nine million he has a player often for next year. And Andre Drummond is just screams inflated one year contract on the Mavericks or, or the Knicks. Um, so I, I don't think they're coming back, but to hear them be so transparent about their uh, uncertainty with the team, when Frank Vogel, at least in Andre Drummond's case, sounded pretty certain or at least uh, optimistic that that they were going to reunite in free agency and work something out. Yeah, I mean, everybody is like that right when the season ends. Um, see, it, it it's kind of frustrating. I really like Trez. I like his play style. I think if you ran this season back, minus the injuries and the COVID, mm-hmm. that I think he has a lot 
different, a lot bigger role on this team, especially in the playoffs. I thought he was a nice um, kind of complimentary piece to Anthony Davis. Um, and we saw that those two were able to play together a fair amount this season. But that that's kind of the other thing about dealing with all these injuries is a lot of these guys' roles change so much. Trez is, was always a sixth man. Um, I know he played a lot of minutes in previous years, and I guess ultimately he only started one game this year, but where it, it's a comfortability factor, it's kind of where you're getting those minutes. Mm-hmm. When the team was healthy, he's coming in off the bench, um, providing that energy, and I thought he played really well at the beginning of the year. Um, I thought he blended well with this team. Um, he seemed to really enjoy it here. Um, and I enjoyed watching him, but get to the back half of the season. And this is kind of a thing that's happened with Trez before. I don't know if it's that high energy he plays with. He kind of wears down later in the season or, or what, but I mean, um, from April 2nd until the end of the year, 21 games, he only averaged 8.5 points. 4.9 4.9 rebounds and just didn't really look himself. Um, but again, he's another guy. He was in the bubble. He had the short turnaround, not quite as short as the Lakers. He's playing a, a much bigger role on the team um, because up until that point, he was averaging 15 points and seven rebounds. So, I mean, um, there was a pretty significant dip off for him. Again, I like him. Ultimately, I don't – I would be surprised if he accepted his player option. Same. Um, because, like you said, even as much as he struggled this year, I think a team would still give him a lot of money. Um, and, again, he didn't struggle the whole year. He played well at the beginning of the year. Um, I thought there were more opportunities he could have played in the playoffs. Um I know that's a lot easier to say in hindsight. He played well against Saric, but then Aiton was playing 40-plus minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And he did not pl- play well against Aiton, so maybe there weren't a whole lot more opportunities. Um, Drummond, man, that was a... <laughs> that, was a that was an interesting experience. Uh well, first, where are all the people screaming buyout reform after <laughs> after that? Because uh, it went from everybody saying the buyout system's broken to whatever that experience was with Drummond. Um, I am not nearly as interested in bringing him back. And I was somebody that defended him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I thought he played decently in the playoffs but also pretty clear message that in an absolute must-win game, Vogel DNPC, DNPCD'd him, just decided to not play him any minutes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty clear message to the front office, um, regardless of what he might say, that when the season was on the line, Drummond didn't play a minute. So I think center position in general is one of the easier positions to find someone in. Um Ultimately, Drummond isn't that great of a fit. 
even if I think that you could find success with him and Davis, um, honestly, they need got someone more similar to the JaVale and Dwight they had. I think that's still the optimal type of big man to have on this team with LeBron and AD. But, um, yeah, I, I would be even more surprised if Drummond returned next year than I would be if Trez did because – it just was so up and down and odd with Drummond that I don't know. But I mean, he talked about wanting. Isn't wasn't there a report about them wanting to keep him long term? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was Zach Lowe uh, was saying that Drummond's or the Lakers were telling everybody that is willing to listen that they want to bring Drummond back and they, they see him as a long term piece and. Um, you know, his phrasing was a little weird on that, but I mean, Frank Vogel saying as much after game six and, and in his exit interview kind of confirms that, uh, I think it would be a weird choice. Marcus all is still under contract next season. I wouldn't be surprised if, are we sure he's not going to retire? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know if he'll even be in the NBA. I think he's still a good player. Uh, I just, <laughs> I don't know if he wants another go around with the Lakers. That'll be an interesting uh, thing to play out. And that kind of serves as a segue to one of the last questions I have for you is of all the players on the roster, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into this much deeper, but players that you believe are locks to come back next season at this stage, again, cool. could change between now and when free agency starts in August. Uh, Thank, two months from God. now. Thank God. I want this break. <laughs> I mean, me too, pal. But compared to last season, this, this feels like an eternity. But again, right now, your gut feeling. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I'll take care of that for you. That's pretty easy. <laughs> Are we sure? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> KCP will be back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to. I'm looking down the roster. Tr- uh, I would say Kuzma. I'm pretty certain he'll be back. Um, man, Dudley. He'll 100% be back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he said he said that I think he went as far as 1,000% that he'll be back. Yeah. And what was this quote? The team needs me and I need them or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think Keith will be back. He had a quote about wanting to finish his career in L.A. Um, he seems to be good locker room chemistry guy. Uh, THT will be back. He's a restricted free agent. Um, I know there's limits and whatnot, but I would be absolutely stunned if he's not back. And I'll throw one more out there. I would, I will say Alex Caruso. I feel very confident we'll be back. Yeah, um, I, I would, and but maybe it doesn't work out this way. But I would think that all three free agent guards, Horton Tucker, Caruso, and Shooter, are all back. Shooter, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really not certain on because I could see somebody throwing him a lot of money. I mean, we mm-hmm. keep saying the Knicks; they have a ton of cap room, and they really need a guard. Um, so I guess it's a matter of if he wants money or if he wants to win. 
The other one I would I would be much closer before I'd say Schroeder, I would say Wes Matthews. I'm really confident on, and he even said he wanted to come back. That would be very cool. I like Wes a lot. I was he was really good in the playoffs, and especially that game six. I would like him to come back, and I want I would like them to play him more <laughs> because I thought at times he kind of fell out of the rotation. And I didn't really understand why. Um, and you saw how valuable he was in the playoffs, both offensively and defensively. Um, and just because he has a really cool celebration that, I mean, honestly, everybody does the arrow whenever he makes a three-pointer. You either admit that you do it or you lie. Um, <laughs> because in that game six, those couple of threes he hit, I was doing the arrow celebration as I was telling myself not to get invested again. So, um, but yeah, I'd say LeBron AD, obviously KCP Caruso, THT Dudley Keith and Wes. If that, the, those I'm really comfortable with, that's eight. So it's about half the roster right there. Um, which leaves a lot of room to, to mix things up. The last thing we want, I want to talk about, the footnote of our podcast and where we'll end it, is a uh, very weird 48 hours for Jason Kidd on, God, what day is it? So it Friday. technically Monday. Right? As we were, <laughs> that tells you how late we're recording this, guys. But, okay, so Friday, Damian Lillard in an interview with Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports straight up says, I want Jason Kidd to be the next head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. What a <laughs> wild story. <laughs> uh, Terry Stotts, no longer the head coach of the Trailblazers, so there's a vacancy there. Go it also ahead, came out like, well, oh, okay. no, no, no. It also <laughs> came out like five minutes after Terry Stotts right. was fired, Damian Lillard saying, I want Jason Kidd. I thought you were going to beat me to uh, Terry Stotts join the Lakers bench challenge. Um, oh, I yeah. think that would be cool. I'd be uh, open to that trade. But just uh, just today, on Sunday, yesterday technically, uh, Jason Kidd withdrew his name for consideration because he thinks it's an uncomfortable situation to put the Trailblazers in after Damian Lillard publicly lobbied for him. Let me tell you this. I love my job. I like it here at Silver Screen and Roll. If the Portland Trailblazers offered me a position to be their head coach. I don't care how uncomfortable it would make everybody else. I would be there. I would be the next head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. And honestly, my game plan would be, if your name is not Damian Lillard, do not shoot the ball. (laughs) If Terry Stotts did that in game seven of Nuggets Blazers, I think we'd be talking about uh, Trailblazers Sun series right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, he gave his quote unquote reason. What was your first thought as to why he actually pulled out? Because I have an idea. I had an idea, but it's not one that I, I think most people had. Um, I don't I mean, know. I mean, do you believe him that he actually didn't want to put them in a awkward situation? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there's probably another head coaching vacancy in the NBA that he has an inside track on 
Um, Boston. Yeah, I, I mean, probably what, what a sequence of events that would be. The Boston Celtics crumbling, only to turn to a Lakers assistant. God, poetry <laughs> champion, in motion. A champion winning Lakers assistant. <laughs> um, so I will say my first thought was that he talked with Damian Lillard, and Damian Lillard isn't quite committing his future to Portland, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to take that job. Um, that was honestly my first thought. Now, that kind of flies in the face of the fact that Damian Lillard said, I want him to be the head coach. Between the cryptic Instagram uh, post that Dame had um, and then that Jason Kidd thing, I was a little uncertain about Lillard's future in Portland. The problem is he still he hasn't even started his Supermax extension and you literally are not going to be able to find a team with enough assets to listen, get fair value. Listen to me, Jacob. If the Nets can get James Harden for a sack of peanuts, <laughs> the Lakers can get Damian Lillard, arguably the greatest Portland Trailblazer in history, for Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and the yeah. two-way contract of Costa Senatacumpo. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Nets traded the their future decade of draft picks as well, which we don't have. Uh, the the other thing that's probably most likely is that the Blazers said uh, we ain't interested in you, and then Jason Kidd kind of safe face and said he wasn't going to put them in an awkward position or whatever it was. I'm I'm not fired. I'm quitting. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So I would honestly say that's most likely. Um, because they he wasn't initially in the name or in the list of names that Sh- I think Shams or Shams or Woj, one of them, uh, tweeted out a list of names that did not include Jason Kidd initially. Um, and then Dame said, I want Jason Kidd. And then they were like, oh, well, also Jason Kidd's in the running. <laughs> um, so I would probably say that Portland didn't want to hire him and he saved face. Um, I don't know. Do you think kids an assistant on the staff next season? Well, I don't know. I, (laughs) so take it for what it is, but on the, while, while we were doing post game media availability on Thursday, Dennis Schroeder before leaving for the season or whatever, uh, shook somebody's hand off camera and said, good luck, coach. That was it. <laughs> that was that was the end of it. And my first thought when that happened was like, okay, well, Jason Kidd it, it is going to be a head coach somewhere next season. That's who he was talking to. That's who he was wishing good luck. But that is me putting my tinfoil conspiracy theory hat on a hat I like to have on when it comes to basketball and nothing else. <laughs> I was going to say that. Um, uh, did you, could you see the hand? Do we, can we as a Pruder film this and <laughs> compare Jason Kidd's hand with whatever hand was on screen? It looked like a very Jason Kidd hand. I'm going to be honest. Okay. Interesting. We need, I'm going to try to find a picture of the Lakers coaching staff and we'll try to <laughs> compare. We have a plenty of time. You just mentioned free agency doesn't start until August. We have, plenty of time to do this hard-hitting analysis of Silver Screen and Roll. 
Yeah, if if you're wondering what we're going to podcast about in the summer, it's going to be a 10-part series on <laughs> who's sure to wish good luck to you. Uh, that'll be our show for this week. And who knows what we'll talk about next week. I don't know what to expect as, as far as news. The Lakers aren't in the lottery, uh, which I believe is later this month. And then, uh, so... Maybe we'll get free agency rumors. Maybe we'll get disgruntled superstar. Like, even if it's a one-off rumor, I think it would be fun to talk about. Uh, But until all that happens, we will talk to you next time.